Hey guys, thanks for joining me again. My friend Aaron Glassman has known for 11 years. Aaron has been dedicated to helping merge the world of science and spirituality for over 20 years. Now, I like Aaron's approach because he's able to take otherwise complex spiritual concepts and put them into layman's terms. Plus, he uses humor. He doesn't take himself seriously. He takes the work seriously, but not himself seriously. And I like that. Aaron was really candid with me about uh, his journey and how he came upon the knowledge that he's gathered throughout the years and the guy that he became from this knowledge, a guy who's dedicated to helping people become a greater version of themselves. Check out Aaron Glassman. Now, I believe comedy is a self kind of reflective process. (laughs) <laughs> right, 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 right. When you bomb, you really self-reflect. <laughs> yeah, it's like what am I, what am I doing with my life? When you bomb, you you pour yourself a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so right. Uh, I have Aaron Glassman here with me, uh, one of my good friends, and uh, uh, now in Hawaii, so we don't get to see each other. But uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, man. Hey, thank you so much. I mean, um, I don't know how much talking we're going to do when we're laughing all the time. But uh, <laughs> what do you think? You know. speak, speaking of it, like, I mean, we we've known each other for a while. We're always laughing and having a good time. Um, but yet uh, there's also knowledge behind it. There's like a lot of totally. uh, spiritual uh, cohesiveness and information spread back and forth. How do you feel about laughter and what it does to us in the world, like as humanity, how, how important is it? Yeah. Um, well, first, yeah, you know, you and I, we've known each other like over 11 years. Tomorrow is our 10 year anniversary. So 10 years since you were at my wedding. Oh, shoot. I didn't uh, get you anything. Sorry. Yeah. I was just reminding you. Uh, I'll take that a- Amazon <laughs> gift card. You can just email it to me. Uh, God, you know, it's like I, I do, I've been teaching and speaking about consciousness and, mm-hmm. and the unification of science and spirituality for 25 years, actually. And mm-hmm. like, I, you know, whenever I'm hearing the sound of my own voice, I'm like, if I don't interject <laughs> something that's going to make me laugh, at least like, I just, I think, you know, I think it just gets so dead. Um, right, right. So the, the essential component of vibration, you know, mm. of raising frequency of raising vibration can really be amplified when we can bring humor to it, you know, right, and we right. can just interject it. The thing is, is that you know, when I do it and I'm, I have an audience and they come and they're serious about like awakening and spirituality, they kind of look <laughs> right, at me right. like these two things don't seem to go together. But I mean, they're essential. They're essential because it really nothing better is better than laughter to yeah, raise us up. Well, I mean, believe it or not, when I when I'm out there doing comedy, I feel like my uh, it's like a path to uplifting people or raising as you say, raising their vibration because it, it, I, I, I watch stuff about the 
Jesus and how much I was like, Jesus had to have cracked a couple of jokes. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? I'm sure he just wasn't like healing cataracts and yeah, and right. like you know, leprosy. He, that had to have been like, oh, this is annoying. <laughs> like he probably cracked a few jokes here and there. He had it. to know how to keep an audience and how to keep like, you know, just yeah, you can't hold like, their attention. After the third miracle, it's like, yeah, all right. So now what? You know, top that. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear the one about the sailor in Galilee? <laughs> like, but we need bread. <laughs> yeah, hang on a second. Hang on a second. This is a good one. <laughs> you take one piece of loaf and we're going to. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no question. I think anybody who is going to. Uh, maintain an audience is going to find, you know, I don't know though. I mean, apply that to Gandhi. I don't know if Gandhi was a big joke cracker or MLK. Uh, right, right. Well, that, yeah. that, 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 those were serious matters, but I would, uh, I mean, they talked about uh, Malcolm X and how people don't realize that he laughed and he did crack jokes at, because I guess you have to have a sense of humor about, well, that's the thing, right? Sort of a, Everything. You know, your, your circumstances, your conditions. Yeah. 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 It's always like, hey, I really I really take the message seriously in the in the in the commitment that I have to to being of service and the commitment I have to being the best clear channel of communication. But I don't take myself serious. Yeah, it's not serious in the sense of we got to be kind of. Uh, in the head, the head is a serious place. The heart wants to laugh. It wants to feel. It wants to be expressed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, keeping it in the heart. Plus, it's like it, like it's like when I hear, uh, I guess if it's just humor all the time, that's annoying, <laughs> right? But yeah. then, but like whenever I do uh, perform for like cancer patients or military people, they want the it's like playing all the chords in the piano, like that's our it. emotions. And it's like they they don't want to hear about like how it sucks here. <laughs> they want us to make them laugh, you know, or, or sort of like take them away from it a little bit. Right. And and I realize that it is part of um. It's like an immediate being in the now when you're laughing. That's why kids or children laugh so much, or uh, it seems like God or uh, uh, spirituality is all so fun. Yeah, yeah, it's presence, it's heart. We were saying if you're if you want to intellectualize the spiritual process, it's going to be kind of dead. It's going to be or heavy. It's it's going to be only experienced through the mind and the ego. But when we're really talking about ac- accessing something greater than our humanity, then we're shifting into the heart. We're shifting into a connection that's divine. And that in- requires us to raise our vibration. And one great way is absolutely through laughter. It opens this up and you can feel it. I mean, there was a little blip of a millisecond when I did comedy and you can feel it when you walk into a room and the, how the room is. And then when you got them laughing, what the room feels like, the whole right, right. space has been lifted and there is joy. There is like, there's like this, and right? We know it. It's the anything. That's why every performer really loves live interaction is because you're literally mm-hmm. getting turned on. You're getting awakened. And that only can really come from the experience of presence, which is act- activated in the heart. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. That's yeah. deep, man. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, yeah. But I mean, it's like, you know, we can definitely get inspired by words, but, but if, if it's not infused, like you said, I love the analogy of, you know, do you want to just hear a couple of notes of the octave or you want me to play the whole octave, right? Right. You you want me to play all the notes so you can just like really experience the full range of what it feels like to be human. And that's laughter, that's crying, that's, you know, all of it. That's all. That's a good point, because that's also part of it where uh, as men, we well, we were weren't encouraged to cry, you know, um, well, at least not in public. I cry after some of my shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I encourage you to cry many shows. <laughs> yeah. No, but but as men, we don't uh, crying is also like front was frowned upon that part of our our expression is atrophy like i mostly cry out of joy right than sadness but i think maybe i wasn't ever uh encouraged to cry out of sadness yeah culturally it's not hasn't been accepted you know that it that the masculine archetype here you know shows his weakness that vulnerability is life-threatening literally right so everyone kind of covers it up we're seeing that shift now, you know, and we're seeing there becoming a more of a healthier masculine version where it's encouraged for us to express ourselves and include emotions and include crying in it. The funny thing is, is like you said, right? The extremes are, are absolutely connected. You yeah. can laugh so hard that you cry and you can cry right. actually so hard that I've started laughing. I was actually started emotionally down and it actually though like when i realized oh i'm feeling sorry for myself i started laughing like right know. right right yeah well i i remember my friend when uh <clears throat> when i was much younger my my friend's father died and we went to his funeral and uh, at the funeral we both sort of looked at each other and i guess there was a lady in a weird hat at the funeral <laughs> we, and we both looked looked at each other in the hat <laughs> at the same time and we started laughing but it if and and here is this guy's father's <laughs> the guy's doing the eulogy it's like right. and yeah. we're giggling like school children at the funeral because the hat was ridiculous like, <laughs> the weird if you, like it was very distracting at a funeral this fruit on it and what, it, a carmen miranda hat or something? <laughs> it's just like it had nets and fruit and vegetables <laughs> on it it's like one of those where women carry the fruit baskets on their head like in those countries but was this in trinidad no, this is <laughs> this is like Inglewood, California. <laughs> no, but he's laughing and I felt bad. We're laughing and I felt so bad about it partially, but I couldn't help. We couldn't help ourselves. It was overwhelming. But at the end of it, he said, thank you. I really, that was really, that was really, I really needed that. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it was at a funeral, you know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, uh, I mean, when there are some funerals where they tell jokes and they tell funny, you know, anecdotes about the person's life and the, right, and the right. whole reception's cracking up and laughing. And I certainly would rather that than the whole kind of, right. yeah, you know, just one dimension of experience. Oh, like in Louisiana where they're like uh, playing the, they're playing like yeah, happy music. Yeah. Pretty much every culture outside of the Western kind of European culture celebrates death, you know, understanding that it's just another part of the journey. It's like a, a, a release, you know, it's right. a whole 
it's a return. Um, so it's not this morbid black dressed, you know, funeral pyre music. Um, it's more of a celebration. Yeah. That's a good point. Do you think it's because our society has been taught to be afraid of death? Yeah. I think our, our society is afraid of living and, you know, when we're so afraid of really, really living at our highest potential at our greatest thing, right. That's Mm. coming out of a fear of something fear of being too big or shining too bright or being Mm. too happy and whatever. And that fear just gets then projected down the road into death must be scary too. You know, I, I think people are just as scared of, of living sometimes as they are of, of dying. If you're not in a state of adventure in your life, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully we're not losing your audience right now. Um, <laughs> I, I just hear. heard a couple of clicks. <laughs> people falling asleep <laughs> at this point. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm always, hey, life's an adventure. You know, we've got one life, all of that, you know, kind of typical stuff. But really, life is adventure and living in the unknown or moving and navigating the unknown is where magic happens. It's where that joy, it's where actually laughter and excitement and expansion happens Mm. and connection to our creative power. You discover what a powerful creative being you are when you're kind of living more in the unknown. But a lot of us, we tend to gravitate towards what we know and what we know is very limited. You know, if we're Mm. always staying in the same kind of box that we put our lives in. And the best example I use, because I owned a vegan restaurant in Santa Monica and in owning a restaurant and being there, I would see the regulars come and they would sit at the same exact table and they right. would order the same exact thing. And we had a pretty diverse menu, but they wanted to repeat the same experience right. over and over and over again, because somewhere they didn't trust it could get even better than this. I feel like a human tendency is, is that we tend to always want to recreate each day, even if that previous day wasn't that great. At least we know, you know, what it's oh, going right. to look like, you know, at least we can control it or have the illusion of controlling it. Like, it's kind of like when, when you look at the, most people don't move 10 miles away from their, their where they grew up or, or that kind of stuff. Or like when you're in New York and some people have never been to the Bronx. Or <laughs> never, <laughs> they're just the Upper East Side. <laughs> <laughs> there, I know New Yorkers and I was born in New York. I know New Yorkers. Yeah, that they've <laughs> never gone past like, you know, 35th Street, like, or whatever. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we tend to we tend to want the illusion of safety and redundancy because we feel safe in that smaller box. The invitation I think that's really present to humanity right now mm-hmm. is we get to break free from the old box and actually expand maybe into a larger circle of being who and what we truly are creating something new, getting real with yourself, taking stock and inventory of what doesn't work in your life, you know, and, and, you know, if there were a positive thing about lockdown and all of that, it did force us to kind of look at our lives because, you know, the, the old life, the way in which we knew it was taken out for a period of time. All of those things kind of 
came to us, I believe, to also have a spiritual inquiry or a spiritual house cleaning of like, hey, are you really excited by your life? Are you waking up just to get through the day? Well, what do you really value? What's really important to you? What do I you feel want? like I feel like you're you're directing this like directly to me. <laughs> I've been saying this to you since since uh, no. <laughs> is this is this how you want to live your life, for all? <laughs> no, but yeah. you know, I noticed that you said the illusion of safety. Yeah, and that's interesting. So you think the whole our whole clinging to safety is yeah it's sort of a, an illusionary elusive kind of a thing yeah there's no such thing as safety and and i think the pandemic like has shown that is like nobody really knows anything nobody really knows how quickly or how it, you you know i mean i saw a statistic that <clears throat> the highest cases of transmission come from lockdown it comes from families staying in the house Mm. That the families are in lockdown and the highest case of uh, yeah, con conta uh, contagiousness and, and thing was coming from the house, which we were joking. It's in the house. It's in the house. <laughs> the monster's yeah. in the house. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if yeah. uh, people are as old as we are to remember that. What was the name of the movie? When a Stranger Calls, right? I, well, but they did it in so many movies. I know. they, they With the, they with the creature... It. It's in the house, even in the what's the other one with the Drew Barrymore? Oh, scream, scream, scream! Like yeah, they did that. A it's lot. like yeah. calling from the house. It, yeah, it, that's like such a cliche. Well, because yeah, they were so they were discovering that actually maybe the safest thing or the illusion of safety is not staying just locked inside oh, the but, house. So most of the contamination was uh, yes. from your own. I find that sometimes with family, like most of the <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Maybe family is the problem. Yeah, totally, right? It's a, a little bit of a... What's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, overrated. <laughs> <laughs> no, but before we go on further, because you have such a, so, so many, a vast array of thoughts, tell people... <laughs> I have a vast array of thoughts. Yeah. Yes, on, on any given day. Yes, I do. But I mean, tell people who you are and what you do exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who am I? Well, that's an ongoing inquiry um, every day, but I will definitely say over 26 years ago, I was an actor in LA and I was, you know, going, driving around, trying to get a Taco Bell commercial and a Bud commercial and one line on Beverly Hills. <laughs> those, those people aren't sponsors, by the way. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> are not. Tough, tough Sorry about them. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried, but <laughs> well, maybe this will actually, you know, bring in that kind of sponsorship money. Um, yeah, doing the whole LA thing and and you know, getting a B movie here and there. You you know what I'm talking about. And um, <laughs> you, you're you're barely making it as an actor. You get what I <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, you're miserable as an actor, and you understand. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I had been a musician. I just had all this tunnel vision of, mm. you know, getting that fame, getting the money and all of that stuff was going to be the key to my happiness. And mm. I just started realizing how depressed I was, you know, and, and that I couldn't keep it up. And I left that life. I subletted my apartment, rented my car out. I saved 
money to live $30 a day. Um, and I backpacked around the world. I went all through Europe. I went to, Oh wow. yeah, I, I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, I went all through Europe. I went into Greece and Israel and, and Egypt and all throughout that trip, I was just going through a major transformation, a major spiritual opening, awakening. And I began downloading just tons of information and connection and all of this stuff. And, and when I you mean, back, you I, mean, during your, during your trip, you started downloading stuff. Yeah. You know, what happened was, and this is why I was speaking about like how we, when we go into the unknown, when we leave the mm. idea of what we think is making us happy and we surrender to the unknown magic happens. So my mm. idea of becoming rich and famous, you know, in Hollywood, I had to let go of that because it was making me miserable. And when I surrendered mm. to just travel and I didn't even know where I was going to go, all I knew I was going to land in London and I was going to start with England, but I didn't know when I was going. And when I let myself just kind of receive life, when I didn't right. try to like control it, I started opening up and I started downloading mathematic science and, and spiritual wisdoms and, and, you know, information that I had no previous context relationship or knowledge of. And I was having an awakening. And by the time I got to the Great Pyramid of Egypt, I had a full blown expanded experience of that wow. merging into the oneness you know which is you know a very common thing when you kind of achieve a a, a letting go you know mm. so um i did that trip all with the intention of coming back and writing a one-man show that would showcase my acting <laughs> my writing and my music <laughs> so you're still thinking that. of fame in a way well it was my intention when i left i didn't know what the show was going to be right right but right. i left saying i don't want to play by these rules any longer they're it's right. making me miserable if i can come back and be an artist you know like create something and i didn't know what it was but when i came back i was very very different i mean i my how long were you gone, gone for i was gone for about four months wow yeah and a lot happened in those four months, you know, and I came back and I channeled this one man show that was, that was, um, I took how Western culture, I utilize Western culture primarily, how science, art, and spirituality move together as one. They're not separate. And mm -hmm. where we've been and where we're going in, yeah, they, most people looked at me like you're looking at me right now, like this mofo is crazy. <laughs> except i didn't say mofo <laughs> no you, but you were with your eyes but uh yeah, yeah about 90 percent of people didn't get it they they thought i was crazy and 10 about 10 people came to me after the show and said it was the most amazing brilliant thing they'd ever seen well well when you said that, that science uh religion and uh what was that one a spirituality and spirituality were one what what came to my mind i started so i try to contextualize things so i looked at it as um uh weather or water being ice right uh liquid and gas or steam you know what i mean yeah how all the elements are actually connected and one right like right. it's still water but it's it's uh yeah so yeah. i i try to put it in a sort of a metaphorical uh 
context so I can understand. So that's why you saw my eyes glazing over. <laughs> <laughs> they look closed to me, but I, thank you for being I mean, polite. To I, was sleeping, I was sleeping. I was sleeping. Yeah, the be- one of the better examples is, you know, when particle physics, so like particle physics and, and the breaking down of matter and all of that was being discovered through science while also that artistic expression was becoming mainstream. It was becoming popular in the art, artistic world, right? Um, a lot of scientific terminology was being used in spiritual vernacular and spiritual uh, conversations by some spiritual leaders and things. I was so inspired by showing how everything is connected. You know, that was my experience in, in the pyramid. So you downloaded, I, I just was curious, I want to go back to like when you said you were downloading all these uh, uh, awakening sort of uh, thoughts and also uh, mathematical equations and stuff like that. Was this through meditation or was it just coming to you randomly? It was both. It was both. Mm-hmm. And it was so, it was so, it was like a flood. And I really did think I was kind of going crazy because I couldn't turn it off. I didn't right. know what was happening. I had no... I had no context to it. So yeah, the, the, the opening of reception of energy was all through the day. And it came sometimes while I was learning how to meditate because I hadn't really meditated before. Oh, okay. And it would come just because I was on a boat. I was just present to the beauty and whatever. And then all this information would start flooding through and I'd write it down. I had journal after journal on it. Wow. Um, yeah. And you still have that information or oh, that information is now you and the information are one. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you from my experience, I mean, I came back with a Messiah complex. I came back of like, <laughs> Oh my God, God has spoken to me. And this show is going to change the world. Like right. really like, you know, that's, that's how, how <clears throat> delusional I was, you know, when, when you don't understand what is happening you think okay this is a higher order or a higher plan moving through you therefore it's ordained by a higher power and it's going to bring (laughs) the masses and you know the whole awakening came from no this was just for you i'm jesus (laughs) right i invested like 10 i i borrowed ten thousand dollars to put that show on you know thinking like, yeah, this is going to get, you know, catch on like wildfire. <laughs> and uh, it basically, it basically maybe created a spark for a moment. But 10 but people was, loved it. Didn't you 10 say people loved it? That is true. 10 people so thought it need. was amazing. Um, I think they were incredibly high, but it was all right. <laughs> no, it was an amazing show. Yeah. And I did attempt to make it entertaining and bring humor to it mm. and all of that. So it wasn't like a lecture, but yeah, it, you come, I came back not understanding that that's just the beginning. Mm. That it wasn't the end. The awakening part is not the end. It's the beginning. And now, oh, right, right. now bring it down to earth and, and apply it to your everyday. Mm. You know, it's funny. My grandmother was a very spiritual uh, woman from Trinidad, she ran the church, and whenever people got to highfalutin, or when they started, yep. 
Was that German word? Highfalutin. That's a, oh, sorry. That's a <laughs> Ebonics. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the Black Forest of Germany. It sounded like highfalutin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, when people get too, um, you know, egomaniacal, you know, too highbrow with their information. Right. My grandmother would always she when she would take all these spiritual uh, concepts and make it so that if you were five years old, you got it. Or if you were a professor, you got it. But she would tell people sometimes you have to get off your high horse and ride a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said. Your grandmother would have bitch slapped me for sure. <laughs> she said, she, uh. says, she tells me, bring it down a little bit, you know, Yeah. <laughs> bring it down. Yeah. Time it, to I, ride a donkey. <laughs> time to ride a donkey, right. To, to find the humility. Um, I wasn't, it wasn't like an arrogance, but it, it, it was absolutely what you were saying. It was like, it was information. Like I wasn't right. embodying the information yet, nor could I, because it was just, so for the benefit of the people listening to this, I think the main point is, oh, don't worry about him. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to use people like in plural. You, you mean Fred? <laughs> yeah, he's all right. <laughs> My audience <laughs> member. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, Fred, if you're listening, um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, you said yeah, for the it's, benefit it's of people listening. For the benefit of our audience, um, the whole conversation really was inspired by when we let go of what we think our life should look like, when we mm. let go of wanting to control our days so they actually kind of just blend into one another, something happens to us. Mm. Magic and adventure and aliveness <clears throat> and receptivity happens so you can create a whole new experience where joy, peace, and abundance resides. And mm. that is the real thing is like you asked me what I did and that was a background story that led me back into an everyday kind of come dealing with my life. So what wow. I do is teach and work with people who want to create magic and adventure and, and bring a creative vision, right? Whatever that is, if it's a business or, or, you know, the way in which they live their life into mm. an everyday experience to really kind of break free from any, any limiting beliefs about themselves. You know, am I going to be in my 70s, 80s on, you know, and look back with all regret that I didn't create this? I, why didn't I go for it? Like, I love working with the people who are ready to create mm. that now rather than, you know, looking. Oh, back. so yeah. Ra rather than a deferred gratification. It's weird. It's like a, a carrot dangling on a, well, a carrot in front of a horse. You know what I mean? Like your gratification is always projected out, out uh, like in some distant future or it yeah. was in the past, but it's never you're it's we hardly ever look at it as something now and present. Totally. Right. I mean, that 
that's that's one of the greatest spiritual practices i believe right is is not looking out into the future to believe my happiness will be experienced when i get here right or when i have this but mm. how do we get present how do we get really expanded and joyous here and now with whatever our life is you know wow that's that's kind of cool because it's like that saying like someday my prince will come but your prince or princess is already here and that's you yeah right that's it if I, whenever somebody works with me in relationship they want to create a relationship or we're doing a you know whatever he's like yeah you get to come into relation a whole new relationship with yourself if you don't want to repeat the past relationships that haven't worked right mm. it, it's really first and foremost about how are you in relationship to yourself the world and all of that who we are being is what our physical world experience will be if mm. i get that promotion in my job i will feel powerful like mm. that's the illusion that's the the carrot and the horse dangling always in front of you thinking when right. i get that i will feel no everything in science is telling us no it's actually when i feel and what how i am being is what will create the results in my external world so in other words if you're uh, if you want a million dollars you have to you have to know what having a million dollars feels like you will be living in that vibration. That's it. Mm. You know, everything in the universe begins as vibration. It shifts into light and then light into matter. That's science. That's not anything, right? So I would just connect to the vibration of expansion and abundance, you know, an abundance of freedom, an abundance of peace, an abundance of receptivity and openness, right? And you know, I don't even put a dollar sign on it. I'm just opening into abundance of health. I'm opening into an abundance of joy, creating abundance in every aspect of being. Right. It'll bring the alignment for monetary abundance. You have to take action still. You know, this is where the secret kind of fell short, you know, because a lot of this is is some of oh, the, you mean the book the, the, uh, book, whatever, the, the, the video video out there? Yeah, there was that video. It was very popular and well known, The Secret. You know, they were introducing the concept that vibration and consciousness creates our reality, but mm. we can hold the frequency of being and all of that, but we do have to bring it into an action step, into motion in the physical world. The physical world and the vibrational world have to join together in order to experience the result. You can't oh, just right. stay at home and feel a million dollars and, you know, believe it's going to just show up magically. So when you say, uh, if you like, like a lot of like, there's a philosophy that you dress for the, you dress for the job that you want, not for the job that you have. you have, right? That's it. You get vibrationally aligned and connected to that in which you really want to feel right. So you desire <clears throat> when we're working with, if vibration is the foundation of creation, which I believe science is clearly stating that vibration is the foundation for what we create in the physical world, then it's really about how are we being right here and now? Yeah. If you want to experience love in your life, how do you create love and presence right here and now? Really speaking into desire and people are saying, well, I want to, I, I want to 
start my own business that makes millions of dollars. I go, great. What are the feelings that that will elicit from you? Right. What is the way of being that it'll bring out inside of you when you have that? And they'll say, wow, I'll feel joyful. I'll feel free. I'll feel it. Great. Then let's create that vibration inside of you right now. It's here and now. Your life, your creative power mm -hmm. is here and now, right? It's not when you get it, then I will feel it. It's now feel that and let's then take action steps. And those action steps will be informed by that way of being. Mm -hmm. Like I had to come into that place inside of me that I was so depressed that I wanted to get aligned to adventure and excitement. And it showed me, you know, it, it, it literally started to bring to me like all the clues and how to take that trip. And I, I created it, but I, it took my willingness to, to move. Uh, you wanted to be free uh, yeah. of, of that, uh, uh, where you were, you felt trapped. Right. And, and you felt like you're on a treadmill. You're in uh, with, uh, uh, hamster wheel, hamster wheel. Sorry. Treadmill is actually <laughs> not the and same. And that's a polite name for really how I felt being in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having had a director ask me to take my pants off and be on all fours downstage. What I hate is when <laughs> when you do that and you still don't get the role. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. That was really? Oh, yeah. I just looked at him straight. I said, yeah, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. <laughs> you know, and I yeah. wow. So you're part of the Me Too movement in a way. <laughs> no yeah, wonder but, you left. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was the the impetus for leaving. Well, I mean, you did you you uh, so basically you did that when you left. You uh, you were needing to feel free, and then uh all the all the signs of how to do that started coming and like what you said about taking action you didn't you just ah oh that's what i should do anyway let me go have a sandwich <laughs> yeah right you did take right. the action you did backpack you did say hey let's let me just do this because this is what i want to happen and i want something different in my life it was so dangerous raw because i literally had that dream of rich and fame and you know since i was like 12 years old and it was so scary to me to kind of think that I may be letting go of that idea of mm. what I think I really want. And mm. I didn't know who I would be or like what, what happens to me if I'm not holding myself as that guy who's on the, you know, one tunnel vision of rich and fame and, and all of that. I don't, mm. I didn't know who I was oh, and I, yeah, and I found out who I was, but it was scary in letting go of, my life and the idea of what I thought I wanted. What do you think that comes from? Like, because a lot of people hold that rich, famous, I mean, that's projected to us so much, but what, what do you think that is about really for us? I feel like for me, um, the acting thing was uh, a need to be seen and recognized and honored and celebrated, which I didn't experience mm. really as a child. So, uh. you know, so I do feel a lot of it, you know, is an emotional void inside of us that are seeking some kind of, you know, absolute love and, and uh, accolade and reception and celebration, right? I mean, I think that's just a human 
uniqueness about us is that we're all seeking that. For me personally, I feel like I wasn't willing to be in one of those actors who was just doing like community theater for the love of acting. Like I wanted, right. you know, is like see me, up, love me, applaud for me. So I think mm. the fame and, and, and all of that desire, you know, it is so seductive thinking like, yeah, you're just, you're so happy when people see and recognize you. It's so weird because like, I feel like social media has taken advantage of that uh, need or that impediment in us, you know, t- uh, of wanting to get attention or wanting to uh, feel that like I get accolade you know I would meet actors and I, sometimes I think man it's such an egotistical bunch then I realized through social media everybody acts like an actor <laughs> those type of stereotypical actors when they get that fame or they get those accolades well it goes back to it goes back to the quantum physics of it all right is that we externalize love is outside of us that the getting of love you know, our whole relationship or our whole concept of westernized love and romance is so toxic in so many ways because it's Mm. all about, right, when the prince comes or the princess comes or it's, you know, that person can break your heart or like everything is placed externally around the Mm. relationship of love. And your happiness depends on that. Yeah, yeah. And so this is being so amplified and blown out, you know, with the social media world that if I get X amount of likes or if this goes viral or every, you know, people respond to that, then I'm going to feel love. But all it does is have us make more and more and more. So our relationship to love is shifting. That love is an inside job. Love is not something that can be taken or given, that it is a presence, that it is a, a, a way of being that you can absolutely create and generate at mm. any given moment it's not conducive or dependent upon anyone else and there lies our power and as this shakespeare says and ah there's the rub and there's the rub and <laughs> so many young teenage boys took that the wrong way <laughs> or the right way but <laughs> oh, yeah right whichever way you self-love <laughs> you said so <self-love. laughs> <That's it. laughs> um Hey, who's doing your Botox these days? You look the same, man, after 11 years. I don't know how you do You know it. what? It's just happiness. That's you know, I, I, I really believe like me doing what I love to do 90% of the time is what totally, keeps, you know, because you, you look so much younger than when you were um, in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there was ever a time for me to walk my own talk was being a restaurant owner, man, and, and finding the joy and like the service that it was, you know, mm-hmm. rather than the freaking hardest thing that I'd ever done, you know, how yeah, do you yeah. maintain a, a vibration that's uplifting while every day is so grounding and money's running out of the door and, you know, it's just such a, you know, it was a success in so many ways. And that industry is just so fickle and crazy. And then you add a pandemic on it. You know, that's why probably, I don't know how many restaurants went under in Santa Monica, but I'm sure all the small yeah. ones did. And then you some know. did better. But but it's what you said about, I feel it's what you said about abundance because 
some restaurants exhibited so much creativity that they started to prosper during the pandemic. Like, mm. you know, like uh, opening up their parking lot or, you know, having like these give they were doing these giveaways but they were they were giving away desserts there's one that was giving away desserts if you bought a dinner entree but then everybody was buying for, like they tricked us you know what I mean? no they, they use their creativity they exactly. went outside the box right yeah, yeah and whenever we do that in our life we actually will create some next level for ourselves right you know like we'll experience another level of joy we'll experience another level of abundance we'll experience our power because those people were forced into getting creative and there's all these mm. people that may have lost their jobs and now are starting an online business they're right. actually getting forced to think outside of the box of their normalcy of their regular habits or their way of thinking and they're getting mm. connected to creative power which always creates great results so you really we can't create any major shift or any major change in our lives it's not going to happen unless we uh, what is that quote that you can't solve the same problem with the type of thinking that caused the problem? In the yeah, that's place? Einstein, Einstein, right? We can't, it. we can't, we can't create something new with the same level of consciousness it took to, or we can't solve the problems we face today with the same level of consciousness that it took to create them. That's exactly right. what this is about. You want to change your life. If you're not happy with your life, it's not going to happen with you just staying in the same circumference of consciousness that you've, we're using that to create what you don't want. It's okay. going to take a leap. It's going to take an adventure. It's going to take a opening. It's going to take a surrendering. Just like when I left my life, my life wasn't going to change unless something, it doesn't have to be that dramatic, but unless right. something was going to really delineate shift and transformation and opening for me. So metaphorically speaking, do you think that's what this uh, pandemic is doing to us on a global scale on a yeah i feel like you know that we could already see all of the old structures and systems were falling and crumbling down economically spirit you know religion uh government politically like these structures no longer serve us and we're seeing it mm -hmm. at such a profound level it's it's forcing us to come into a new creative solution or it's going to take us out, you know? Um, but when you say take us out, what do you mean? What you mean? I mean is it's, it's, it's going to become the opposite of what the original intention was, if it's oh, not already right. doing that, right? Mm. So it's either going to get more like that or we're mm. going to step out of the box and we're going to start creating new ideas around what it means to govern, what does it mean to be, you mean vive la revolution ah, you know. <laughs> no okay. kidding no but peaceful peaceful revolution i'm uh yeah you know uh, yeah you know, um, storm storm the capital <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> no but uh um trotting in a wine press or stuck in that uh, hamster wheel like you said it's been so the hamster wheel or keeping up that system that maybe there's fear that oh wait this is they don't know any other way to do it. And That's it. That's totally it. You know, the problems we face today can't be resolved with the same level of consciousness. We need a whole revolution of consciousness in order for us to create solutions to the problems we face today. And the problem is, is that government is limited because it's in this very confined, 
box of thinking, of approaching a problem. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's not about reforming four lines of healthcare that's going to create change in our mm-hmm. healthcare system or the way people take care of themselves. It's not going to be, you know, in dealing with gun violence is not going to be just the elimination of, you know, automatic weapons. That's not going to solve gun violence. It's an, it's a systemic thing that's going to require a shift, you know, of consciousness to a new way of approaching it. So I'm just saying for anyone that has a problem in their life that has been repetitive in their life, Mm -hmm. it's going to require you opening and surrendering to receiving something beyond what you think you know already and Mm -hmm. open up to kind of another level of consciousness open up to your higher self to create transformation and a shift yeah so it's like you you come up to people and you go you can no longer swim in this water and you and they're like what's water (laughs) (laughs) yeah something like that or or what's wrong with with urine (laughs) yes there's pee in the pool (laughs) you can't pee in the same pool over and over yeah no that's great do you want to tell anybody uh anything (laughs) of substance no (laughs) anything about how they could uh, find you or how they get in touch with you or oh absolutely i uh they can go to um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they can go to scienceoflove528.com uh, and they can connect there. Uh, they can email me there directly if they have any questions, scienceoflove528.com. 528 is the actual frequency of hertz, the heart 528 center. hertz. Yeah, 528 mm-hmm. megahertz is the frequency of the heart. I see, I see what you did there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, and also they can find me on Facebook. Um at under Aaron Glassman, they can, or Science of Love has its own page as well. Uh, I got, I got, I got uh, one more question for you. How do I find you, like the real you? I, I'm. That's that's on milk cartons. I don't know where. It is. <laughs> I'm missing. <laughs> the missing. real me's been missing for years. Hollywood. <laughs> the little. My inner child has been abducted by Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> I, would, I would do a whole cartoon on that just have every celebrity missing <laughs> yeah anyone that's famous and successful yeah, like yeah. inner brad pitt's inner, inner child. child's missing <laughs> they're all missing that, uh, awesome. no uh, what what before you detail, what do you love the most about life I love most about life. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm watching because like, I don't want to separate, but I, what the word that's coming forward is the malleu, the malleability of it. Mm. So what I mean by that is the fluidity of it and that it's not, it's not hard. It's not set. It's not stuck that it actually is like, meant to be engaged and played with and created mm. with yeah like clay or like uh yeah yeah ebb and flow 
I keep thinking ebb and flow. Ebb and flow. Uh, yeah, you know, that it's, it's mm. not stasis. Life is alive. Life is, is invita- inviting us to, you know, create with it. And so therefore it's, it's this free flowing kind of energy that we can engage and create with it what we really desire and want to feel. It's like that that kid, like when you're five years old and and the, and you're in the sandbox, and the kid goes, "Hey, w- w- want to play with me?" You know, <laughs> that other kid. Life is that other kid going, "Hey, you want to play?" That's right. That's right, man. That's it. I mean, the best thing for anybody that is actually really wanting to connect to what their heart's deepest desire is, mm-hmm. go back to the ages between really six and eight years old. What you naturally were drawn to do by yourself. No one told you to do it. No one, like you were in your own bliss state. You know, for me, it was going out into nature and really just sitting with my dog and playing music. Those were the things that nobody had to tell me and I could do it for hours and I loved it. And that is a huge part of who I am. I'm this person, you know? So yeah, like, I don't know what you did between the ages of six and eight. Um, but maybe uh, um, I was working in a factory because <laughs> <laughs> that is what you truly love to do. Making uh, Nike shoes. No, I, I think I had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a third world life. It's a whole long story. <laughs> I'm kidding people. I never, never made Nike shoes in a factory. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think I'm doing it. I played. I do. I, I do. I, yeah. I think you are. I was, I was, I definitely, only thing that's changed for me is that I was always shy. So I never talked to people as much as I'm doing now with this podcast, but it's, but I was always inch, I always observed people. Yeah. And this, yeah. now I get to ask them questions and find out, Ooh, I wonder what they think. What are their thoughts? And that's yeah. kind of fun. Well, I love that because a great comic, you know, is a great observer of, you know, of the world. And that's the thing is you find the humor in all of it, you know, and you are hands down the funniest person. I know you are hands (laughs) down. (laughs) You are the person I have laughed with the hardest and the most with (laughs) my life. Yeah, man. Thank you. I I feel the same. But it feels like I almost feel guilty because I feel like, should I still be doing like you feel like a kid? Right, right. And you feel like somehow you feel like you should be responsible and not and do something, but but don't it's stop. The, don't but it's stop. the most fun. I don't know how to explain. Yeah. It, but. Well, and you know this pandemic, right? It created stop, drop, and roll, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just in you. It's just innate. Thanks, man. Uh, what you said was very hit home because you said you had this metamorphosis and this awakening, and it was only the beginning the opening and you thought it was the everything and it's kind of like it's kind of what happens to us a lot when we have a shift we think oh okay great now i'm spiritual let me just start go heal people and tell them how to straighten out their life and that but then it's like it's just the beginning of a new totally (laughs) totally all of that stuff Mm. was just you know a beautiful opening but it wasn't the destination no so good to talk to you and then let's do it again part two because there's so much uh you're like an an onion that's never unpeeled you know 
You want to know the name of that one man show I did when I came back? Yeah. Called Glass Onion. Oh, really? <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was called Glass Onion. Yeah, because I love the metaphor as the, the more you peel away the layers of the onion, it's sweetest at the center. You know. Uh, but why is and, it glass? Uh, my last name, Glassman, and it just, you know, and it was a Beatles song, and I just, yeah, you know, I had to name it something. <laughs> Don't get rid of that show. I think, I think there's something, <laughs> something there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm a walking embodiment of that show. Uh, but thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Rolf. Thank you for, for including me, man. No problem. Yeah.